Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's Around the House. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House Show. This is where we help you get the most out of your home through information and education. Thanks for joining us. Happy midweek special. Well, I wanted to talk today a little bit about some of our housing issues that we have and uh, of course, homelessness and the cost of housing these days. And I think we're looking at this thing completely wrong in most places across the U.S. And if we're looking at it completely wrong, we're not going to fix it. So let's break this down a little bit. You know, I live outside of Portland, Oregon, and we, of course, have a massive homeless population out there. And there is such a common belief that we just need to build more houses for these people. But the problem is, is that we are not dealing with the drug addiction and mental illness that plagues most of them that keeps them out of shelters. If you're going to walk around in our city here, for instance, and this is very common on the West Coast, you can see this in almost every major West Coast city. They are letting people camp outside, camp in streets, camp in people's yards, It is kind of an anarchy free-for-all as far as how that goes. And it can take sometimes six months to a year to get people at your city government to get them to move. Even when they're on your own property, which is crazy to me. But the problem we have is we've got a problem with, first, we've got a mental illness and drug addiction problem where these people would much rather self-medicate than be in a shelter or be in housing. So... To really fix that, we need to get that dealt with first. And I think there's ways to do that. I think if we were to change a little bit of the criminal justice system of how we look at things, instead of getting people for trespassing and loitering and those kind of things, maybe we get them into a program that gives them the help they need. Because after all, our goal at the end is to make these people get back to being, you know, contributing members of society and not ruining the environment like we see out there now. I mean, that is ironically the biggest thing that we see in our cities on the West Coast, for instance, is the environmental damage that is done to parks, nature areas. It is it is super fun to clean up eligible type stuff here that you're seeing where they're burning car parts for heat. And these areas that were where animals lived are now very inhabitable for those animals and stuff. So it's a major, you know, ecological disaster on top of, you know, the the humanitarian part of it. But really what we need to start doing is look at how our cities are creating affordable housing. First off, like I said, we need to deal with the homeless and mental illness and drug addiction. And I think those are three different things. There's a percentage of people out there that just need a place to stay and are looking for a place to stay. I'm not denying that at all. But a majority of those need to have 
you know, um, some help and uh, something that's going to be, you know, from our medical community. And that's going to be the first thing. But really, affordable housing is something that I'm seeing, for instance, in West Coast cities where cities are building, quote unquote, affordable housing. But because the city is involved, it costs three, maybe four times as much as if you had the private sector do it. And that's where the problem rises, because you've got all the bureaucracy of having a city government be a building company. You're never going to get that one having that done because you could literally build three or four times the houses or rental units or just units if you had the private sector do it because there is so much red tape that's going on there. And then you start looking at some cities, and Portland is another great example. I'll use it here, but this goes all up and down across the U.S. in certain areas. We have, if I'm going to buy a house, let's say, in the city, And it has had a fire. It's uninhabitable. Maybe it was, you know, just absolutely destroyed. If I'm going to go tear that down and put a house or two on it, my city development fees could be sixty dollars or $80,000. That's the fee that I have to pay to the city to get the building permit and get that done. Now, there's also fees to hook up the power and water and sewer, and I get that, some of that stuff. But really, if you look at it, sometimes these fees can be in excess of $100,000. Now, if the city is charging $100,000 in fees, there is absolutely no way you're going to win that housing battle as well. So these are problems that we're going to have to really start figuring out because it's so counterintuitive to what I would call common sense. Now, another thing that we need to work out is what we call our urban growth boundaries in many areas. And that is an area where they have tried to keep urban sprawl from happening, where there is a designated area that you can build homes, and there's an area outside of that that they're trying to keep as forest, nature, farmland, whatever that is outside of your urban area. That is really good for our environment out there. I get it. But the problem is, is that artificially raises rates, supply and demand on what housing costs are. Because what used to be a $25,000 lot 20 years ago has now jumped because of those urban growth boundaries. That can be a $75,000 lot because there's no more lots to build and thus making it more expensive. It's the whole supply and demand thing with that. So it's great for you and I or anybody else as a homeowner that our property values keep going up, but it's really hard for the people that are trying to get into housing or get into their first house. So I think we're going to have to find some ways to work around that, maybe free up some more land, maybe work on some rezoning in areas to take what was maybe a formal commercial area and clean that out and make it residential. But I think we're going to have to start really thinking outside the box because These models, year after year after year, have now created its own monster, which means it's very hard for people, especially younger people, to get into housing, and even harder for people that are elderly to get into housing. I know here in my state, for instance, and I I can only talk about what's in my area. I know your area out there has other issues as well that you're seeing on your local news, but I'm well-versed in what's going on here. If I was going to get my mom into 
Oregon senior housing, and she doesn't live in Oregon, so that's not the case, but hypothetically, that could be a six-year wait. And the people that run it have been horrible to work with because I've tried to help people to get into that. So if you're trying to get a parent or something into senior assisted housing, that is something that is a subsidized program that is literally a five or six year waiting list. It could be longer now. But there's the problem is that we just don't have enough resources for that. And I think it's one of those things where we've got to really reevaluate and almost start over with how we're doing this stuff to be able to fix it. Because right now, there's no place in the United States that I'm seeing that's really fixing this outside of some places in the South or Desert Southwest where they are coming up with, with better solutions. But right now, here in the Pacific Northwest on the West Coast, uh, there is not an affordable place to live out here without getting way outside of a metropolitan area. I mean, a house that uh, in my area that you're seeing here, you can buy a $700,000 house to tear it down to put a house on it. How is somebody coming out of college? How is a brand new family going to afford that? Takes a lot to do that. Now, as a homeowner, I've kind of enjoyed the 30% increase in home prices between, you know, the last couple years. And now here's the problem that we see, though, is that that combined with the double-digit inflation that we see across everything else, it's made it very hard for somebody to be able to buy a house these days. Now, they tell you that your home value shouldn't be more than two and a half times your salary, which means if you're making $100,000, you shouldn't purchase a home with a value of two hundred dollars or $250,000. That makes it impossible to buy a home. Now, let's add insult to injury. If you want to buy a $600,000 home, which on the West Coast isn't a lot of home, your income would need to be $350,000 a year or higher. And then, you know, if you look at other rules that you see out there, they say that you should aim to spend less than 28% of your pre-tax monthly income on a mortgage out of those general historical guidelines. I'll tell you what, that is almost impossible when you got to look at what a $600,000 house is. Traditionally, you'd put down, well, about, what, 36000 bucks, let's say, in a round number. And if you do a 30-year fixed rate at like 6.5%, that means your monthly mortgage payment is going to be about $3,565 a month. That is a ton of money. So I don't even know what to say for all the new and younger people coming up except that we've got to fix this problem. And, you know, building materials have gone up, of course, because we have taken a lot of the trades out of our schools. The great news for people in the trades is you can make six figures to be a plumber or an electrician or somebody else in the trades out there if you're working hard. The problem is, is now that labor price has gone into the price of a house because we removed all these things and made that skilled tradesperson Um, somewhat of a rarity out there, and we still have more people that are aging out than we're putting in. So that deficit keeps getting larger and larger and larger. So that's one of the problems that we're seeing with what we're seeing with housing. I mean, it is a huge problem that we're going to have to figure out and how to deal with out there. 
Now, if you get rid of all those first-time homebuyer credits and all that other stuff, and you're just going to buy a regular house, maybe it's your third or fourth house or whatever, if you're going to buy that $600,000 house and you put 20% down, let's say that's you know $125,000, your loan amount $475,000 basically, and let's say it's down at a really cool 5% interest rate, you still have to make $115,000 $116,000 to be able to afford that. And that is if you go at the 5% interest rate. But you would have to make 131%, $131,000, sorry, at a six and a quarter interest rate. So we've really got some issues out there as far as how we do homes and housing. And that's not something we're going to fix right now, but I think we're going to have to start having a deeper conversation because with inflation going the wrong way, more and more people struggling to stay afloat. The other hard part we're dealing with is rental rates have been going up as well. You know, when you see a eight or 10% rise in apartment rates out there for rentals, that sure doesn't help people get into housing as well. So those are some of the problems we're seeing. You know, home prices remained 8.1% higher than the previous year. And then we had, of course, the mortgage rates up more than 250 basis points at the same time period. That means you're paying so much more than you were last year for a home. And so we're going to have to really kind of think about how this goes. This was not meant to be any kind of a rant, but I'm just trying to spur some conversation with people of how do we fix this to get this back under, under control, really, so people can get into housing. And I'm not saying that the government needs to build a bunch of affordable housing. It seems that that has been going sideways and is costing more than it should to do that. And just an example here in some of the cities as well, I'm seeing, like, for instance, in my city here next to me, Portland, they have some things where if you build a high rise, you have to have a percentage of affordable housing in there. Well, they're building a four seasons up there and they decided not to put it in there. So they just pay the fine and move on. Well, that didn't do anything for adding affordable housing to it, but then that dollar figure raises those unit prices up because they have to pay a millions and millions of dollar fine for that. Then that money goes into the city coffers, and then the city spends way too much on affordable housing, and we're not fixing the problem. You know, I think, you know, people like Habitat for Humanity and so many other nonprofits out there have got a better answer To be honest, I would rather see those firms get the money, those foundations, those nonprofits, and actually start doing this because I tell you what, they could 10x what the city and governments are doing out there as far as affordable housing. And I think we need to be looking at that model versus relying on our elected officials to fix the problem for us because I think there's just too too many hands in the pot trying to do this. All right, guys. Well, that's enough about this today. Just something to think about. If you want to send some comments on this, head over to aroundthehouseonline.com. I'd love to continue the conversation there over on social media or even on Around the House Nation. This is designed to be not a political conversation today. I was just really trying to see how do we fix housing, housing prices, and make it affordable for kids, for parents, anybody else out there trying to either get into or stay into their house. Now, coming up this weekend, we got a great show on Around the House uh, radio show. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, I've got Eric Ani from Mechanical Hub. He's a big social media 
influencer, plumber. He is also in the mechanical world, so he's HVAC as well. We'll be talking with him. And then I'm going to be tackling some home security stuff as well as some other projects around your house on Saturday that you don't want to miss. All coming up this weekend on Around the House. All right, everybody, have a great rest of the week. Happy midweek. Enjoy yourself. We're changing the clocks this weekend for you that do in the United States, so we are dealing with the daylight savings time change. And, uh, well, make sure and check those smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors. Change those batteries. Make sure they're tested. Make sure they're working. And if not, call your local firefighter. I bet you that they will be happy to come out and help you check to make sure yours are working correctly. All right. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. Thanks again for listening to Around the House. Eric G from around the house. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.